0: Well, as Meredith just shared, we are going to hear the story of Joseph this morning as told to us in Matthew's gospel, chapter one, beginning with verse 18. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. But before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Amen. It was a few days before Christmas, a woman woke up and told her husband, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace for Christmas. What do you think it means? Oh, her husband said, you'll know in a couple days. The next morning, she turned to her husband again and said the same thing. I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace for Christmas. What do you think the dream means? And her husband said, you'll know tomorrow. On the third morning, the woman woke up and smiled at her husband. I just dreamed again that you gave me a diamond necklace for Christmas. What do you think it all means? And he smiled back, you'll know tonight. Well, that evening, Christmas Eve, the man came home with a small square package, exquisitely wrapped. With great great flair, he presented it to his wife. She was delighted. She slipped open the taped edges. She unwrapped it gently, and when she did, she found a book. (laughs) A book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) What have you been dreaming about lately? (laughs) Some of us are dreaming this week about wonderful possibilities. We're dreaming of diamond necklaces and sugar plum fairies and new playstations and maybe even an end to war. I hope all those dreams come true. Today's gospel lesson, as we've heard, is about a dream, the dream of Joseph, not Mary's dream, Joseph's dream. The truth is the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to the Virgin Mary is found in only one gospel, the gospel of Luke. That's the one we hear all the time, but it shows up only in Luke. Two of the gospel writers, Mark and John, utter not a word about the physical birth of Jesus. He doesn't show up in those gospels at all until he's fully grown. Luke tells us the story from Mary's perspective, just as we heard last week and in our anthem, uh, it's the announcement from from the angel Gabriel and the visit to her cousin Elizabeth, and then comes the census and the shepherds and the angels and no room in the inn. Luke's version is told entirely from Mary's perspective. Only Matthew tells us what it might have been like for Joseph. Matthew gives us the story of Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. That's where our scripture reading this morning begins. But according to Matthew, everything really begins 17 verses and 42 generations earlier an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's the begats, or at least that's what we used to call it. So-and-so begat so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so on. It's Jesus' family tree. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And I'll spare you by not reading the rest, but it's there. 14 generations from Father Abraham to King David. And then 14 more generations down to the exile to Babylon. Then 14 more generations until Mathen was the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph. And Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah which would all be really interesting were it not for the fact that the very next thing Matthew says abruptly out of nowhere is that none of that matters one bit. This is Joseph's family tree. And Joseph, as we're about to find out, is not Jesus' biological father. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child, From the Holy Spirit. Let me back up just a bit. Joseph is engaged to Mary. An engagement or betrothals, as they were called in those days, were lengthy affairs. It was not uncommon for them to last as many as two years. An engagement was a legal agreement. You did not get engaged at some magical destination after months of secret planning. You got engaged and it was a very formal arrangement that could only be broken by going to the courts. Except for the fact that the couple did not live together, it was essentially the same as a marriage, and it was equally as binding in nature. So Joseph was engaged, and may have been engaged for years. His family and Mary's family came together, and they signed papers, and when Mary and Joseph were both of age, They were to be married. All that's just to say that if anyone knew that this was not Joseph's Joseph's child, it was Joseph himself. So what's a guy to do? He could have run around asking the opinion of everyone in town. The most fundamental human desire is to get the approval of people around you. So you get on the phone, you go to the corner store, you take your problem to work. You ask at the barbershop, you talk it out over coffee, talk about it in the parking lot, talk about it everywhere, tell everybody. Did you hear about Mary? What do you think I should do? But Joseph doesn't go there. He will not disgrace Mary. He will not expose her. He will not humiliate her. What should Joseph do? Do what the Bible tells you, right? I'm pretty sure there were plenty of people who would have told him that. You can't go wrong if you just do what the Bible says. I've heard it all my life, and I'm sure you have too. Just do what the Bible tells you. The trouble is, the Bible says that Mary should have been taken out and killed. Look it up for yourself Deuteronomy 22. If evidence of the young woman's virginity is not found, Then they shall bring the young woman out of the entrance of her father's house, and the men of her town shall stone her to death, because she has committed a disgraceful act. That's what the Bible says. I get so tired of people always referring to the Bible as though it just dispenses answers absolutely clear all the time. You can quote the Bible before killing a person to justify the killing if you want to. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's what the Bible says. If a man finds something displeasing in his wife, let him give her a divorce and send her out of the house. It's the good book. Let a woman keep their heads covered and their mouths shut. It's in there. I run into people all the time, and you do too, who run around thumping their 43-pound Bibles and saying, just do what the Bible tells you. Thank God Joseph doesn't read his Bible that way. Fred Craddock says, Joseph is the first person in the New Testament who learns to read the Bible right. Joseph is a good man, and he knows his Bible, and he loves his Bible but he also reads his Bible through a certain kind of lens, the lens that says that loving God cannot be separated from loving the people right in front of you. That's why Joseph can say of Mary, I will not harm her, abuse her, expose her, shame her, ridicule her, or demean her value or her dignity or her worth. Where does the Bible say that? It says that in the very nature and character of God. Everything is grace, is what Karl Barth says. Everything is grace. And Joseph reads his Bible through the spectacles of grace. It should be a lesson for all of us. Joseph learns that doing the right thing is more than just following the rules in the book, even if the book is the Bible. If in reading the Bible, Craddock continues, you find justification for abusing, humiliating, disgracing, harming, or hurting someone else, you're dead wrong. Joseph knows that the Bible has to be read in the light of the character of God. And that's what he does. Joseph wakes up from his dream and takes Mary as his wife. He embraces her and embraces the baby And he embraces the whole convoluted, complicated mess. No one would have faulted him from walking away. No one would have thought less of him if he divorced her. But Joseph wasn't listening to the voices in the crowd. Joseph was listening to the angel whispering in his ear, inviting him to literally help bring God into this world. So what does that make Joseph? Husband or roommate father stepfather i'd like to suggest a different title godfather not as in marlon brando but godfather as in the father of god in the eastern orthodox traditions mary is known as the theotokos the mother of god and just as surely as mary gives birth to god incarnate joseph chooses to be god's earthly father At the very end of this reading, Matthew says, Joseph took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he, Joseph, named him Jesus. The words could not be more clear or more significant. Joseph named the child Jesus. In the ancient Near East, the father never named the child That responsibility fell solely with the mother. But Joseph named the child Jesus. What that means is that Joseph claims the child, adopts him as his very own. That's how Joseph becomes the father of God, not just a surrogate, but a parent who says, this child is mine. And I will love him and care for him and sacrifice for him. I'll do whatever it takes for him to mature and to grow and to develop. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you are stepfathers and stepmothers and godfathers and godmothers, foster parents and adopted parents and friends and relatives. You have young people who depend on you, who look to you for support and encouragement and nurture. There are young people who are around today because of your love and because you have been present in their lives. Maybe you're a big brother or a big sister, maybe you teach ESL classes, maybe you have a foster son or a stepdaughter or a neighbor child or a relative who relies on your attaboy or atta girl. I want to suggest that we all have, we all serve as godparents, godmothers and fathers. To God ourselves. Yes, there's only one person, Mary, who physically bore the son of God into this world. But like Joseph, every one of us is asked to nurture the spark of the divine in our own lives. Like Joseph, every one of us has the opportunity to introduce God into the world, in our jobs, in our schools, in our relationships, in our outstretched hands. We can all be godfathers and godmothers and godparents in the places where we live and work and play and pray. It's Joseph's story, but it's our story too. Confronted day by day with circumstances beyond our control, with lives we never would have chosen for ourselves, we may be tempted to divorce ourselves from it all when an angel whispers in our ears, Do not be afraid, God is here. It may not be the life you've planned, but God is born here too, if you'll permit it, if. That if is the real shocker, if you will permit it. God's yes depends on our own, and God's birth requires human partners. Mary and Joseph, you and me, willing to believe that God is still being born in the mess and through it, willing to believe that God still speaks to those who listen to what angels tell them in their dreams. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. Thanks be to God for Joseph. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: O Holy One, be the light in our darkness. As we have lit the candle of hope, we pray for those who feel hopeless, for those who cannot see the light of our hope in Jesus Christ, for those who only know darkness, and for those for whom the season is like any other for those who are broken by the weight of hopeless burdens, who cannot feed their children or live in addiction, who struggle with broken relationships, who reject their neighbors, who feel silenced, unseen, or abandoned. Kindle in us your hope of Christ so brightly that it might be felt by all we see, And yet we give thanks for those moments of hope that lift our hearts. Let us spread those moments so we might spread your hope. As we have lit the candle of peace, we pray for victims of violence, for those that live in the darkness of conflict, war, starvation, poverty, and death, for those who cannot escape turmoil, abuse, and injustice, for those who turn blind eyes and resist witnessing the darkness of violence. O God, kindle in us your peace of Christ so brightly that we might burn with your righteousness. And yet, O God, we do know your peace, and we anticipate it still, where the lion will lay down with the lamb. Let those moments lead us to spread your peace. As we have lit the candle of joy, we pray for those whose hearts are weighed down by sorrow, for those whose bodies betray them, who live with illness, injury, or broken spirits. We pray for Ely Driver, for Laura Harmon, asking for your healing power. We pray for those who have broken hearts from the pain of losing loved ones. We pray for those broken by the burden of debt, Poverty, unemployment, who live paycheck to paycheck, who long for a decent and livable wage, kindle in us your joy of Christ with warmth, that we might offer warmth to those who need your joy most. And yet we thank you that your joy is in us now for those moments that light up our hearts. Let those moments lead us to spread your joy. And as we have lit the candle of love, we pray for those who do not feel loved, for those who struggle to love others, for those who are desperate for love, to be recognized as human and made in the image of God. Kindle in us your love of Christ that we might bind ourselves to one another so that all God's children might know the joy, hope, peace, and peace of your eternal love. We thank you for your love, for your love incarnate that came among us as one of us in flesh and in blood as a tiny baby who knew both our sorrow and our joy. And so, Holy One, be the light in our darkness that we might reflect your light into the dark corners of our world. And hear now our prayers as we hear the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God through our tithes and offerings.